Hey, everybody, the Vintage Strength Games are coming to Clayton, North Carolina on June 2nd to the 4th. June 2nd to the 4th. Go to VintageStrengthGames.com for more information and to sign up. Also, make sure you go on Facebook and you join the Vintage Strength Games Facebook group. All right, everybody, what's up to the podcast? Uh, right now, we're doing a uh, little sit-in interview with Jamie Pinto. Uh, you've been on the podcast before. Um, we've I don't I think we've only done one over Zoom call, but you're one of the guys who likes to like get up close and personal with people, which is really cool. So um, you wanted to come back on, and you know you always add so much interesting content to what we discuss um, here on this podcast, talking about flow state and the state of the world and all these other things. So it's good to have you back on, man. What's up? Happy to be here. Yeah. Where, where would you like to start? Well, how about we start right out of the gate here? Um, just bring the audience up to speed slightly prior to us hitting record. Uh, we got into a pretty deep discussion which i was like oh man this should be on the podcast so we decided to kick it off right here we were talking about what is anxiety what is depression and uh you start to talk about it and i do have a big question so um why don't you start there so that the audience could you know meet us halfway on on this discussion what, what's your question okay well you were saying um that the filters that we we see life through or um so my question was where did those filters come from who put those filters there okay so that's what i want to know but let's backtrack before you answer that backtrack and just re-explain what you were quickly explaining to me about what anxiety actually is and what depression is okay so just to to sum it up in a very simple way, what I see anxiety being is you're stuck in this question of what if, and um, what if usually pertains to future events or, you know, something in the present that, that, that trails off into possible futures. So, um, and let me preface this by saying that I'm human. I have anxiety just like anybody else, but I'm lucky to have several practices that bring me back to being present. Um, and depression uh, is something pertaining to the past, usually something that you regret or something that you're you're uneasy with that you experienced, right? And like I was saying, there's a little bit of both there's a little bit of yin and yang in both. There's a little bit of depression in the future and there's a little bit of anxiety in the past. Um, but primarily that's kind of how I think about anxiety and depression. Um, if you're usually, if you're depressed, you're depressed about events that have taken place in your life or you're just uneasy about them or whatever it may be. You're not happy about it. And when you're like overly anxious about something, it's about, 
possibilities that could happen. And usually if you're anxious, you're like, you're like spiraling down the downward spiral of like, oh my God, like worst case scenario or something like that to get like really extreme. Um, but as far as like filters and stuff, uh, what I think of is like, when we bring us back to the present moment, right? And the present moment um, is all you really ever have when you really think about it. When you try and remember memories, you remember them through your filter. And when you remember about being anxious about something, you remember it through that filter. And that filter was how you were perceiving the present moment. And how you perceive the present moment has to do with what you believe about yourself or what you know about yourself. And belief and knowing are two different things, right? Belief is you have to trust and have faith because you don't know. When you know something, you don't have to believe it because you've had direct experience and you, you, you have direct experience with it. So you know how it works, right? And I mean, we're gonna, <laughs> we're really going to get into it now. But what we witness uh, with people in our lives and even ourselves is this um, this dance of knowledge and belief, right? So, um, and and that that just spirals out into this this whole other discussion with anyone you meet. Um, with what do you believe about yourself? And then what do you know about yourself? And then only then can you start to dissect depression and anxiety because you have to understand what the root is at that moment. Where are they actually sitting? You know, it's like when you're, when you're in a room or you're, you're, you're say you're at a, you know, you're at a show or something like that. You're, I've been to a lot of live music over you know, the course of my adult life to the point where, and played so many times as well, to, to the point where I don't know how many live shows I've seen or played. Mm -hmm. I don't have that number. It's, it's up in the hundreds, if not thousands. Um, but you, you have a certain perspective from where you were sitting how you viewed the crowd, how you viewed the band, what you heard, yada, yada, yada. So if you're up front at a show, right? If you're right against the stage, you're seeing the band. You're just seeing the band and you're hearing everything on full blast, essentially. Or maybe it's just, it's full blast and you don't even, it just gets lost in the mix, right? But you're right in front of the band. Well, when you're right in front of the band, you don't see anything happening behind you, Right? Or if you're a wallflower off to the side, right? If you're a wallflower off to the side, well, then you can see the crowd off to your left, but you might only hear the guitar player on stage left. You don't hear the guitar player on stage right, right? And you get a muffled sound of the vocals and the drums. Well, if you're on the stage right, same thing. It's not until you're all the way in the back where you can perceive everything where you can see the entire crowd where you can see all of the lights where you can stand at a place in the venue where you can hear the vocals the drums the guitar 
everything, even the crowd noise to like best stereo. And I didn't even really get that concept until like later on, uh, like going to shows and stuff like that. Like I would, I would try and find the best place to stand. Like, okay, if I stand here, I'm going to hear that guitar. I'm going to hear that guitar. I'm going to hear the bass. I'm going to hear the drums and vocals. I'm not going to get bashed by the crowd, yada, yada, yada. But that is very much what it's like to try and live, to, to try and observe what the real present moment is from the right perspective where you're seeing everything right so let's take for example if i'm i'll take the 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 perspective of somebody all the way down front who didn't see the crowd behind and you know anything like that they just saw the band up front and they didn't they couldn't quite hear because it was just all like a blast of noise because the sound's basically going over their head for the most part and that person is like, oh my God, they were so amazing. They were so high energy, yada, 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 and all this stuff, right? I had the greatest time. But the person at the back who saw the crowd and saw the entire show and could hear everything could say, actually, the singer had a terrible night. He was not hitting any of his notes and the crowd was pretty like lackluster behind you. They weren't like that into it or whatever. So it's it's really just a matter of like where you are, right? And how you witness things. And that goes down to, that brings me back to what your belief systems were about yourself and what you knew about yourself at a certain point in time. And how we were saying that when you go back uh, and you have memories of something, your perspective of that memory can change through time according to how your belief systems and knowledge of yourself grow and change, right? So you may think about like something you did when you were like maybe 15 years old. When you're 25 years old, you have one thought about it. When you're 35 years old, you have another thought about it because the beliefs you have about yourself and the knowledge you have about yourself have evolved and changed. So coming back to anxiety and depression, these things are always shifting with the beliefs and knowledge that we hold about ourselves in that present time. And that's a whole branch of work unto itself. That's a whole practice unto itself to try and master that and try and gain control of that. So you don't get pulled into anxiety and you don't get pulled into depression and everything like that. And inevitably we're all human. Like we said, we have such um, we have such anxiety problems now because of the way that we live our lives through technology. Like you know, this right here is the number one cause of anxiety in in today's day in today's uh, day and age. Whether it's mostly political or whether you're for a cause or whatever, you can tune in to anyone's perception of the present moment on this and you get it through their filter. And whether you adopt or choose to bring that perspective into your present moment, well, then that's going to cause all sorts of possible anxiety or depression or whatever, you know? So that, it's just, it, it ends up being a huge mess 
of um, all of these possibilities that at the end of the day are really just fabricated stories. And when you go even farther and deeper than that, it's all really just one huge illusion anyway. So I hope that answers some of your questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, that's really profound because um, like you're pointing at the phone and, and we all have one, we all use one and everybody knows what it does. We, yeah. everybody knows how it distracts us, how it pulls us away from Absolutely. things. And then when we try to put it away, uh, how how difficult that is because we want to go back to it because well there's good things about it and um, you know it helps me with this it helps me stay in touch with people it helps me make friends with people like, all that absolutely. stuff absolutely and like you said it's a big mess um, absolutely but you, you, we're talking about these filters here so if a person is detecting either anxiety or depression and they want to do something about it it would be to first figure out what filter they're seeing all this through that's creating. Right. And then try to change the filter or change your perspective. Right. Is that what would be? Maybe, the so change in itself is a, is a, is a certain word. Instead, what I think of is observe. Hmm instead of immediately change. Instead, observe. How did this happen? How did I get here? Why did I get here? Um, what brought me here? And you just start to observe it all. And it's not until you start to observe it all and understand where all the roots are and then understand where the roots of the roots are and on down the line, that you can actually decide, is this something that I need to change? Because you might not need to change it. You might actually be right. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like, um, there, there's, <laughs> it's a shame because, again, going back to the phone, if you go on social media, there's a countless amount of talking heads telling you how you should live your life yeah. or what you should do or what you should buy. Right. We're doing it right now in a way. In a way. Yeah. But what I what what I'm trying to do is I'm not trying to tell anybody yeah. what they should or should not do. Right. What I'm trying to tell people is this has been my experience and this is what I gathered from my experience. And through these experiences Here's the tools that I've developed for myself that work for me. If you choose to adopt them, great. If you don't, that's fine too. But I'm just telling you that there's hope. <laughs> there's hope for it all. It's, you know, it's, it's, you can learn how to control things. Yeah. I think what you just said, first observe, just get acquainted with what the thing is that's causing you to feel that way, to either feel depressed or anxious or whatever it is that's causing you turmoil at the moment. Just get used to what that is first and recognize it. Yeah. yeah that's a really good point because, you know, I asked right away, well, how do we change it? Because we want to fix everything right away. Right. We want to fix something that, you know, most of us are adults with, with you know, these questions. This has been hammered into us over decades. We're going to change it with one quick fix. Right. No. Yeah, and that's that that exactly. 
rarely is anything changed with one quick fix. Usually it's a process of work and that work changes things and starts to mold and shape things over time. You don't go to the gym once and have a ton of muscles. Right, right. You know, that's why this is a lifelong commitment to take care of yourself as best you possibly can. You don't you don't eat clean just for a day and right. lose 30 pounds. Exactly. That's yeah. so there's 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 not these there's there's no quick fix. And in, in my experience, there's no quick fix. And I've had some experiences. <laughs> um, but there, and again, I preface it by saying, I'm still human. I'm still having a human experience. I'm still learning. Um, or I should say, not so much learning, but remembering. Um, because I, I find that at the higher levels of 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 what we perceive, how I've perceived consciousness, it's not so much a learning experience. It's more of a remembering experience. Um, but I guess like if, if we really think about um, the urge to like fix things like right away, um, I can identify with that. Yeah. Because it's this thing of like, it's this urge to control. Right. right. I need to be in control. I need to do the thing. Da, 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 da. It's another thing to just like have a moment and observe and just be aware. And don't worry about who or what's in control. Just be aware of the thing. That's exactly because um, at the higher levels of consciousness, things get out of control. And it's not until things get out of control when you start to lose control that the fears and anxieties start to creep in. Right. Yeah. So we come around full circle. Right. And what that leaves you with is, well, everything's out of control. I can't control it right now. What do I do? Well, I can just observe. Right. And then as you're, how do you go deeper than observing? I'll ask you. By paying attention to how you feel when you're observing and then taking that feeling and finding the way to, well, then you're going to start controlling things. It's just, it's actually more simple than that. Okay. I'm glad because I was blowing smoke out of my ears just no, now. No, it's, it's more, it's, it's more simple than that. It's, it's the fact that you're aware. You're okay. aware. Okay. Your, yes. Right. Right. Awareness. Right. So Plain. when it, when it's happened, when something's happening, you're just aware of it happening and how it's, Hey, uh, this is the thing that causes anxiety. This is the thing that makes me feel out of control. Right. I'm aware of it. Right. That's all it is. It's just an awareness. Right. And the awareness, when, when you, when you, when you strip away and strip away and strip away and strip away, what are you other than being aware? If you, we're in a coma where you couldn't speak, you couldn't hear, you couldn't taste, you couldn't touch. What would you have left? You would just be aware that you're awake, that you're just existing. 
It's not until you strip everything away that you can understand what you truly are. You're just a consciousness that, that is aware of itself. When, when you start to understand that you're just a consciousness that is aware of itself, then you can start to understand what's piled on top of all that and what's piled. Go to sleepymonkeytrainingacademy.com to turn your pain into power. But on top of all that is the stories and beliefs that we tell ourselves and more importantly, convince ourselves of, right? We convince ourselves of truth. It's this way. This is the right way. Right? So that's why so many people are walking around what they have with uh, their subjective truths or whatever. I, oh, this is my truth. Right. This is, that's your truth. Right. right? So, so the, it's like, how could there be two different truths? You, you said something, <laughs> you said something super poignant right there. The phrase, my truth. Okay. I, I know a lot of people in different walks of life with different, different religious beliefs, with different political views, what have you. I mean, I, I, I have the rainbow in front of me. Um, but the thing that keeps me humble and ha ha to have an open ear with everyone is the fact that I am aware that I am just this consciousness experiencing itself, right? And that I can peel everything away and understand that the person right in front of me is me from a different perspective, living a different experience, right? So when someone says the phrase to me, well, this is my truth. What that says to me is your truth is a, is a factor of your system of beliefs and stories that you have told yourself. And that is the perspective of your experience. But that does not mean that is the truth right. of the whole experience. Right. It is where you experienced the show in the venue. Right. <laughs> and where you sat in venue is the experience that you had. Yeah. And that is how you perceive the show. But it's not necessarily how the show actually really went. Right. When you sat in this spot instead and you saw and heard everything, you know? And, it, it, you know, we can dissect it even more. It's just like, depending on what the stories and beliefs are and where you're sitting in the venue, you could be sitting in the best seat in the venue where you hear everything. And that, that band may have had a perfect, harmonious performance that you could only wish for on some nights. But according to your, your beliefs and your knowledge of who you are at that moment and the depressions that you hold and the anxieties that you hold, you may have been like, Ah, didn't really do it for me. So it's you know we we, we, right. we get we get we get pulled in so many directions of of what's actually the truth. 
Right. What is? What's the real deal? You know? Um, but that's what I work on daily. That is what I chase daily. Are you um does Steel Mace Flow um help with what you're working on? And are you also sharing that with your clients? Um you know, to a degree, I I I I I share my experiences and, and what I've gathered from them to try and help someone else or try and help someone dissect all the way down to just being awareness. Um, but at the same time, uh, I, I, it's fine line of like, sometimes you, I, I feel that sometimes you, 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 you need to pe you, you need to let people have their own journey. Um, like somebody's sometimes somebody needs to go out and trip to understand what it is to trip, you right. know, right. Um, or, uh, get nicked with a mace you know something yeah. you know there's just certain um there's certain things that uh, uh if it happens there's a reason to happen and, and it, it's you know this isn't this isn't all supposed to be a smooth ride um but for the most part um i i i, I try and i try and deliver a lot of a lot of that uh in 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 a in a, in a way that 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 people can digest because I realize that sometimes when I talk, I can I can go very far out, um, and I, I I I make an effort to always reel myself back in. But um, as far as like does does steel mace flow help me with that? It does, but it helps me with that because of other things that I've spent my time doing and researching and practicing and having direct experience with. And I just use steel mace flow as a tool for that. So it could be for it could be for some people not steel mace flow. It could be bike riding, ice skating, painting. Totally okay. So that's really what steel mace flow is. It's an option as a tool to uh, either, in some cases, just exercise if that's what you want, express yourself, or to find flow state. Yeah, it can be all of those things. It can absolutely be all of those things. Um, for me, what I've done is uh, I've just tried to like backtrack in time as far as what is possible with human movement past a uh, like a material point of view. Yeah, like meaning beyond uh, how it makes you feel or muscles or anything like that. You're talking about cerebral. More than cerebral. Okay. Spiritual? We could say spiritual, but spiritual isn't going to – spiritual is going to add this like woo-woo well, yeah. to it. And I don't want it – I don't want you – I don't want this to seem woo-woo, yeah, whatever. Right. It's more mechanical Okay. to yeah. me. It's very mechanical. Right. It's very cut and dry and like if you do this, this will happen. But why isn't that cerebral then? Because it can be part of being cerebral. Because what we – okay, so what we perceive as cerebral brings us to this question of is brain – is our brain creating consciousness – or is our consciousness 
creating the perception of our brain. Mm. So again, it comes back to this thing of like peeling away, peeling away, peeling away, peeling away to just plain awareness. What do you have Yeah. before awareness? Nothing. You have nothing before awareness. So it's awareness on a mechanical level. Yes, but... And mechanical would be you have eyeballs, which are a machine. Right. You have your, your your central nervous system. Right. It serves a function. Right. It's a tool. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a mechanism. So you're down to the machine level yes. of, of what the components of your body... Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And then what's possible from there? Hmm. Because... I've always been curious of things that are non-physical. I've always been inquisitive of all of the things that are non-physical that you can't explain. Yeah. Paranormal experience, what have you. All of those things. All of the, all the things that the conspiracy theorists dive in the hole. I'm swimming in there with you, except I'm not believing anything. Yeah. And I'm researching. People can refer back to our previous podcast the one where we did the zoom call right where you talked a lot about the books and, yeah. and and everything that you're reading and everything and you did touch upon a lot of that stuff right and and again that's just one area that i've that, that i've traveled into to to try and find some degree of truth or yeah. something that has parallels that you can see has a direct correlation to something else, and then you can experience it and know for yourself. That's always what I'm doing every single day, every single waking moment of my life behind the scenes. That is how my brain works. That's just how it works right out of the gate. Right? As soon as you were hatched from your egg, that's how you were? Or did you train yourself up to that level through all your interests? I, If I really had to like backtrack... What it comes down to is when I was very young and when I would dream. Because, you know, when you're really young, you're learning about the world, especially before age seven. You're still formulating all of your ideas of, of, of reality and like your belief systems, like your core belief systems of like what your parents are like and da -da -da, what, what, your, what your family is like and like what 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 humanity is essentially like how like the basic basic core beliefs of how you like experience anything and uh one of the things that you do at that age is you dream and you have you, you can have nightmares you can have crazy scatter dreams or i i i had them all but the, the, the dreams that I remember the most that I can still remember right now were dreams where I was out of my body, meaning it, I could see my neighborhood, house for house, doorstep for doorstep, street for street, and I was taking long leaps over blocks mm -hmm. and like just like and i didn't have this just once i had this a few times and i just always had questions about what was that 
because that wasn't like and that wasn't like a that wasn't like the other dreams that I had. The other dreams that I had were usually just a little bit more scatterbrained and like mm. it's really hard to make sense of. Like I I I can't describe to you what that what was happening in the dream because there's it's just too all over the place. But those dreams, I could tell you. Well, no, I was taking like Hulk jumps around my neighborhood. Yeah. And I could see the neighborhood at night. And um that like I said, that just made me question like what like what is reality from a very young age. I didn't under I did I wasn't like seven years old, like like, hmm, what is reality? But I had this thought of like that happened. And now I'm in I'm in first grade, I'm in second grade class and you know, like being a kid and I have to do my schoolwork and did it. And if I, when I go home tonight, is that going to happen again? Yeah. So it was those experiences that were the catalyst for me to always have the thought of what else is there? Because it seems like there's something else besides what I experience when I'm awake. And Again, that just that just led me down my entire path of that I've been on this entire experience. I think that's really cool that you hooked into that because you know what they say about dreams, like the scientific explanation is that it's just um, your mind is kind of like defragging like a computer does, which is so funny that they would say that because of what we live with computers now well what would you have said before computers you know what, what, what you wouldn't say defragging so uh, i guess it would be reorganization of information from your conscious to your subconscious and it's your your mind is uh setting up stuff because of your current situation like just very you know but it's like yeah but do you know that for a fact and they don't they don't know what's really going on deep in there so they don't it could be they could be so far off and we're just like trying to be scientific well you know science is a very very valuable tool set because what it can do is it can prove something false prove something wrong um and that's mostly what science is about. Yeah. It's about how did I, how did, oh, this is, this is wrong because we did this. We have this process that we did this, this, and this, and we proved that this isn't, this isn't right. This is wrong. This yeah. doesn't happen. It, it seems like most of the stuff that they accomplish with science is, yeah, that doesn't work. Right. But, <laughs> but the thing is most science mostly deals with the material universe. Yeah. Right. And it's only, it's only one tool, mm -hmm. right? So being that I'm someone who constantly reads and, and, and researches the corners of the internet of all different walks of life and all different esoteric traditions and what have you, um, there's just more out there that isn't spoken of um, besides science. And that's where, you know, knowledge comes into, into play. So um, the, the, the reason why, why we talked so, so deeply on the last podcast about that series of books is because um, 
I read them in my mid twenties, and I right after them I had read the Carlos Castaneda books. Are you are you familiar with Carlos Castaneda? No. So Carlos Castaneda was essentially the first book. He's he he meets with this uh, Mexican shaman who who takes him under his tutelage and shows him all of the things in Mexican shamanism. And after that, the next six books are um, him going into the, <laughs> all of, all of the unbelievable things and, and um, experiences in the ether and, and, and the astral plane that are just seem like, is this, you know, what is this? Is this real? Is this bullshit? Da, 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 da. And I don't know. Um, some people say that you know everything that he wrote was was a was a farce. Um, but before that, um, I read the Robert Monroe books one after another, one after the other, and to this day, those books are like my Bible because they are so not woo woo at all. They're so objective to his experience and they're so open to interpretation um of like what is possible so the reason why i say that i have a more mechanical point of view of everything is kind of because of those books okay because it's not this it's not this like mystical thing that is happening in his books it's like a very uh real and methodical thing that he's doing and he just falls into it he's he falls into it because of the work that he's doing he he was a radio broadcaster and basically he he owned uh radio stations so what he was involved in past like owning radio stations and, and their operations and everything was he was trying to get into the the idea that can we learn while we're asleep so he was one of the one of the pioneers of making um like subliminal message type things while you sleep right and um again not a religious person doesn't have any practices whatever just like a normal businessman and all of a sudden starts having these experiences where he's out of his body he's floating out of his body very much in the same way that i experienced myself jumping across the neighborhood and doing these huge hulk jumps so that really resonated with me because it was the first thing that i'd ever read that sort of explained or close to explaining what i was experiencing so it immediately mm. kind of pulled me in and the first book is all about him the first half of the book is all about him just trying to figure out what's happening so he goes to a, his doctor he goes to a psychologist he goes he he thinks that he's he thinks he has a tumor and he thinks he's hallucinating 
because of this tumor. He thinks he has, he's having this anomaly because he has a brain tumor. Turns out he's fine. Then the psychologist is like, oh, it's your dreams. And you're having this because this and this and this, and this is symbolic of this, yada, yada, yada. Hmm. Well, then he, he, he kind of disproves that because what he does is he, 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 he cooks up these, these tests, these little experiments with um, traveling to someplace in real time and observing somebody, something that someone does in real time and then coming back into his body. And then he telling that person, this is where you were at this point in time. And this is what you were doing. And there is no possible way that he could have known that. So then what he does is he, once he starts doing things like that and he starts seeing that there's something to this, then he starts pouring money into a research and development department to further his exploration of these experiences. Then what he does is he's able to replicate these experiences with other people. So it's not just him. So he has these other people having these experiences through this method, through these sounds, and through certain um, practices that are very much like fitness, except it's more of like fitness for your consciousness. And they're able to have similar experiences that he has. And while I'm reading these books, during that time, my mother is um, very curious about uh, near-death experience and things of this nature. And the things that she, you know, that, that she would bring up in conversation were always really interesting to me. And that led me into the work of um, uh, Raymond Moody, who was like dedicated the, the latter half of his life to um, talking to people that have had near-death experiences. And the things that they describe are identical to the things that Robert Monroe describes in his book. The only difference is he's learning how to control the experience. Whereas the people that had the near-death experiences, it's more like this phenomenon. It's like this this freak act, this freak thing that just happens and they don't know how to control it. And then it happens once, maybe not right, again. And yeah. that's it. But but it shakes them to their core. Yeah. To know that there's something more to their experience. Right. So um like I said, that after I read those books, um and uh, read the books of, of near-death experience, it just seemed like there was this something mechanical, machine-like about this whole life-death thing. And then what you get into from there is people that have memories of their past incarnations, their past lives. And they're, they're all over the world. They're just not really talked about. And people that have been able to say kids who were who were like yeah i used to live here this person lived there yada 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 this was my name da, 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 and it all checks out so it, it 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 just brought me to this place of questions upon questions upon questions hmm. and then when you get back into uh the, the Monroe books and like as, as 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 far as anyone has documented and traveled 
a distance into the unknown and unknowable. I haven't really, without a really like woo-woo filter over it, I haven't found anybody besides like William Berman that it describes it the way that he does. And you remember how I said like, there's a difference between belief and knowledge. Mm -hmm. When you believe something, means you don't know and you have to trust and you have to have faith. But when you have knowledge, you don't have to believe, you know, you have direct experience, right? So when, when, when he, when Robert Monroe is like, try like, like going deeper into his experiences and, 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 and learning how to control things a little bit more, what he starts doing is he starts coming upon people that have passed away after their life and they're stuck in between things so it, it what it seems like is um there's some people who are like like some people who are like like pure atheists that have like no belief in anything he comes upon people like that people that were like really religious um and it seems like there's like there's filters for all of these things after you pass from your physical body. Like there it seems like there's there's all these like cubby holes of what 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 was your religious belief? Oh, you're gonna okay, you're Catholic, you're gonna go in that one. Oh, okay, you were uh you were Jewish, oh all right, okay, that one. And it's just it just seems like there's and 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 those people may be there for a period of we say time but there there's no time and it's it's more so like they kind of uh do something there where it's either they're they're learning something or remembering something and then it's them coming back here again mm -hmm. to do something different but what it shakes out to be is um it's once you once once people pass all of like like the get yourself some sandbags or some weight vests or some cool fitness apparel at freedomstrength.us go to freedomstrength.us when you make your purchase, use the discount code SMN10 to receive your discount. Belief systems. Well, then they get to knowledge. And the knowledge, the gnosis, is, um, like I said, realizing that you don't have beliefs anymore because you know. And... Um, the belief systems just end up uh, kind of throwing you back into this whole mix, and like it, it, it like th it goes off. This branches off into so many things that 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 uh, that Buddhism talks about about like desires and feelings and everything like that, and like um, like feelings that you can't even describe that you have that are like so deeply ingrained in you. A lot of them can be from a past incarnation. So it's like, 
what it ends up being is people go into like all of these belief systems after they pass and then they come back because it's like, oh, I didn't do that. I wasn't happy with that and this and that. And it's like what they're actually being pulled back into is these fragments of desire that they have, right? So when you look at like one of either like the Eastern path or the Western path to what so-called enlightenment, well, the, that process is being able to lose your desires, just strip yourself mm -hmm. of desires, right? Because the desires that we have are the things that keep us tied to the material world. And yes. don't worry, I'm bringing this back. Yes. Our desires in the material world tie back into our depression yeah. and our anxiety and what we believe about ourselves in the present moment. Yeah. So what happens is we are just a product of the things that we believe and the desires that we have about this whole grand illusion that is earth. But that's all this really is at the end of the day. It is a huge, and this, I've heard this said through people that have never had direct contact with each other are in completely different places in the metaphysical verse and the, the woo woo thing, like everywhere. And it just seems like this whole thing that we live in is like a brilliant, brilliantly designed school to refine energy, to purify energy essentially so when you when you come to earth when you are incarnated into earth what happens is you start to gather desire through all these lifetimes yeah. lifetime after lifetime all these desires so i didn't get to do this or i did not happy about this or did it like all this stuff to the point where it's almost like okay we have this cup Here's a good thing. Let's this get up. We have this cup, right? You start out with an empty cup when you come here. Mm -hmm. And then you just start to slowly fill it, right? Well, what happens is you get to a point where your cup is so filled that you don't have any more desire to be here or do anything because you've done it all. So you don't need to be here anymore. And it's not until that cup is filled that somebody's ready to drink it. Because that cup is full of experience for something else to take and do something with. And it, it's it's funny because like uh you think to yourself, well, well, why did I even do this in the first place then? why did i do this well it's a question of change right if you're someplace where nothing ever changes where you where you 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 are you are awareness you are awareness you are aware of everything what is and what isn't 
right? Actually, there's nothing that isn't. You're just aware of all, right? Well, what growth can you have if you are aware of all and the absolute? There's no growth. It's everything at once. Well, in order for that to develop and grow, and, and I realize that it's just like a human – like growth is a human concept. Yeah. Right? Right. But I'm just trying to explain this as best as I possibly can. Yeah. You would have to break apart and forget what you were and then you'd have to put it all back together again right to be like to oh, grow there it is to grow yeah right um and that's what that whole process is it's the urge to forget to remember again and that's what that entire glass is <laughs> the entire glass you poured out and it was empty and you go okay i'm here Time for me to start filling this glass again. But what happens is we get lost in understanding that we're just filling this glass lifetime after lifetime after lifetime because that's what most of us are doing. Most of us are just filling this glass after all of these incarnations, right? And there's all kinds of stuff in this glass. There's regret. There's sadness. There's death, there's depression, there's joy, there's happiness, there's bliss. It's all in there, right? And what it does is at the end, when it's full, someone rings it out and goes, now it's purified. And all of this pure experience that you had, all of this stuff turns into knowledge. And now you know. You know that this was for you to graduate from this whole experience because now you're better. You don't have the 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 un the the unexplainable urge that you feel. The thing that you can't put into words. It's not there anymore. The thing that nobody can verbalize. And we all have it. Mm -hmm. Every human being on earth for the most part has the thing that they can't put into words about yeah. The experience of life. Our uh, language is limited in being able to explain it. Exactly. La language is very limited, right? But <clears throat> I'll ask you this question. Can you define what love is? I, well, yeah, any, I can define it, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to be correct. It's going to be my interpretation. Exactly. Yeah. It's your interpretation. It's your subjective interpretation of how you perceive what love is. But has anyone really been able to give a definite truth of what love actually is? No. That's why there's a bazillion love songs. Right. Because people can't express it any other way except through metaphor, poetry, prose, parable, music. It, it, that's what, like like it, it's limited as to how we could explain it in a, a literal fashion. Yeah. So we have to go into symbolism and things like that, which now people are absorbing that symbolism. And I hear the song and you hear the song. 
and I hear different parts that you hear. And going back to the music, I have a perception of the song that you do not have. So now I'm telling you, well, look, love is this part in the song right here. Hear what he's saying? And you're like, no, I don't get that at all. So this is where everybody has their own point of view. Right. I think I can give I think I can give a pretty good definition of love. Okay, good. Okay. And I'm not saying this is right. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, and again, I'm going to preface this just like I did in the beginning that everything I say is just from my direct experience. And this is all for entertainment purposes only. This is just for entertainment purposes only. Absolutely. (laughs) Right. Love is the knowledge that you and I are no different. Mm, That's a good one. Right. Yeah. So. That's the thing. Yeah. Love is the knowledge that you and I are the same. Right. We are made of the same exact thing. So how would, where would the act of love be? The act of love would be to treat you, treat other people as if you're treating yourself. Exactly. And that is where everything is fucked in the world. (laughs) And you know what? That's the golden rule. It is the golden rule. Yeah. And it's so simple, right? It's so simple. It's so simple. It's so simple. And it's not being done. But almost if you say, what's the golden rule? To most people, they'll probably say, oh, yeah. Treat somebody as if they are yourself. Or, or how you want to be treat somebody how you want to be treated yeah that is the greatest esoteric truth that has ever existed yeah it is in front of our face every single day every minute every waking moment of every single day and if you understand that one truth that one thing can give you all of your answers so you don't have anxiety so you don't have depression. Right. So you don't have beliefs. You have knowledge. So in other words, you could have said that right out of the gate of this podcast and we would have been done in 30 seconds. But again, <laughs> I'm being facetious. But, right. But here, here's the thing, right? The fact that we got, we landed on this truth. Yeah. And it took us all of this conversation to mm-hmm. get to this truth is the whole point of a human incarnation yeah yeah it's the journey it's the journey yeah why do you go to see a movie because you want to see the journey yeah instead you want you don't go into a movie you just fast forward to the last five minutes yeah you got to see how everything got to the last five yeah you know batman's gonna beat everybody most of the time you you know how a movie's gonna end yeah right but you fool yourself into thinking oh they might die right here yeah right now but you know they're not gonna die right but it's this it's this thing of like you like to not know and you like the you like the sensation of what if yeah of of it makes you feel alive it it it, but, it makes you feel a little bit more alive because of what it does because what it does is it presents uncertainty yeah and uncertainty means potential Yes, right. But you also pointed out 
uh, if, what if, which earlier you were talking about, that's where anxiety plays in. Right. So we run the risk when we're toying with uncertainty, which makes us feel alive. We run the risk of developing anxieties. Totally. So, so nothing's safe here. Well, let's back up, right? Instead of, instead of, um, instead of viewing it as anxiety, as the way that I think about anxiety, because I have anxiety just like anybody else. Again, I'm human. I can fall into this stuff at any moment in the day, but I have the tools to bring myself back to the knowledge as well. Thank God. Anyway, usually what anxiety means for me is a downward spiral into uh, disaster, doomsday. Um, and instead of having the perspective of anxiety and a downward spiral into like worst case scenario doomsday instead having the perspective of well i'm uncertain but this uncertainty is potential and actually let's just see how it shakes out and how it shakes out is how it shakes out and how it shakes out is going to be the thing that causes me to do the next action or take action on the next event and that's just it. I spent so many years of my adult life having terrible anxiety that I never vocalized, that nobody ever knew about. But these were my deep, deep, deep inner thoughts that you can't help but be uh, have them direct your course of action in some things right and your decision making right now what if what if you had all of this knowledge that i just told you about what it is to be a human what it is to be the human experience the the fact that you and i are the exact same thing and this isn't going to be a one and done thing it's really just the class. Mm -hmm. And in this class, you're going to learn a specific thing and they do another one. What if you knew all of that and that after you pass, after this body passes, you're going to come back and do something else until this glass is full and you're not, you don't have to come back here anymore. Well, then you would live your life in a very different way. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't be um, a prisoner of, the survival drive mechanism as like what, what how how uh, robert monroe describes it and that's that's the best description i've heard of it to date the survival drive mechanism that survival drive mechanism is the very thing that makes us live right, right. or else we would die it's much needed right yeah and that that means it's where our selfishness comes from it's it's hundred percent it's where our selfishness comes from it's where our scarcity comes from it's where our selfishness comes from it's where our vindictiveness comes from it's where all of our negative stuff comes from the survival drive mechanism right and what we see for the most part every day is people plagued by their survival drive mechanism 
am I going to have enough money? Am I going to have enough to eat? Am I going to, am I going to be dead in five years? Am I going to be healthy? Am I going to get sick? Are, are they going to like me? And then on the other end of the spectrum, I need to get this car because mm. that's going to make me feel whole. I need to get, I need to be this person because that's going to make me feel whole. I need to do, I need to own this thing so everybody can see that I own this thing, or I need to be this person so everybody can see that I'm this person. And then, you know, on down the line. But, and really with that come, like all that stuff just comes from the fact that, that person just wants to be seen and recognized. Right, right. <laughs> At the end of the day, you don't, you don't hate them for it. Yeah. You know, they're just, Poor, a poor soul that's just not being seen or doesn't feel like they're being right. recognized by anybody in their life. Exactly. They, they feel like they're just invisible. Right. Yeah. And it, it, that all comes back to, like I said, those early years of development and all that stuff. And that we could, like I said, we can drag it back into, well, what, what was your past life? What happened in your past life and the life before that? And that, there's, so we, we get mixed up into like all of these things things yeah. that somebody can hold within them so when i when i come back to the knowledge of i am you and you are me and i see somebody that makes me feel a certain way initially why i just bring it back to that's just me and they're experiencing this because i've experienced that no. they're experiencing the illusion that they're not enough or they're experiencing the illusion that they're so uh, they're such a, a prisoner of all of their what ifs, or they're such a prisoner of I'm not enough. I need to be more, w whatever it may be. And I, you know, the only reason that I can have that perspective is because I'm constantly curious. And I'm constantly refining myself and how I perceive truth and what is instead of the, the belief systems and filters that I've acquired over my life just by proxy of other people that I've come in contact with and, 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 and the schooling that I've, that I've had. Like I went to 12 years of Catholic school. I'm not Catholic, you know, um, but it's 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 constant work on on walking that path of what is true knowledge and how are you constantly refining that knowledge to disseminate to everyone else to make them remember because that's all it is you forgot you forgot who you are we all forgot who we are and some people want you to forget who you are some people don't want you to know who and what you are because your unfulfillment makes them rich. Right. Your unfulfillment gives them nothing to worry about in their survival mechanism. They have no they don't have a survival mechanism anymore because they are so wealthy and well off. When you don't have a survival mechanism, well, then you fall into hedonism and you start to explore all of your desires. What is your deepest desire? What is your deepest, darkest desire? And now we're going back to what you said earlier, 
And are these people following their desires and their darkest desires and becoming hedonistic? So they're now living an unfulfilled life. I, you know, so this is really interesting. I'm, I'm glad I, I'm glad we're landing on this right now, right? Because I've I've dissected this quite a number of times, coming from the place of knowledge and my experiences, and there's this we we. We've been conditioned um, to have an initial judgment or view of another human based on their economic status. Okay, and I can prove this to you. If you go to, I'm in, I live in Philadelphia. Philadelphia has a lot of homeless people. Hmm. Okay, even my neighborhood, there's you know homeless people walking around, and whatever that homeless person's story may most. A lot of them aren't even homeless. Most of the people that I see out like in front of a convenience store or whatever, they're not homeless. They're just they're just like they just want money. They're just like begging for money because they, they're unemployed or they can't get a job or they don't want to get a job or whatever it may be. But there's initial there's this initial thing that's a belief system that is like deeply conditioned in me. It's just like when they're just like, yo, let me get a dollar, I'm just like because number one, it's just like, number one, I work my ass off for the tiniest little bit of money that I have to just about pay my bills, mm. right? And some of those people that are out on the street asking for money that day might even make more money than I made on a shift of yeah. physical work that I, I did. There's actually people that have gone out and figured this out. Some of these people are making like a hundred grand a year. It's very true. Yeah. Okay. But backing up to what I was saying, there's this like, there's like a deeper condition of this, this status that somebody has. When somebody is out, when, when that person is out front, like begging you for money, like your immediate thing is just like, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Just, mm -hmm. just go away from me. But on the flip side of that, if there's somebody that pulls up in, a Hummer that's all blinged out and decked out and they get out and they're in, a, they're in you know, a, a three piece suit and whatever it may be. You immediately go, Oh, well that I, you know, that, that person's, that person's got something. It's like they, they've made it. Hmm. Yeah. It's success. They, they're, they're successful because yeah. they have, they have money. Yeah. And they, they have a, they have that nice Hummer and they have the, the three piece suit and, Whatever it may be, it's this this is this super deep conditioned belief in this day and age in us, right? But that person's not going to talk to you. <laughs> that person doesn't give a. That person is going to look at you the way that you looked at the homeless person. Right. You are beneath them. Yeah. Right. And I'm not saying this is everybody. Yeah. Right. But on the majority, this is how it is. Right. Especially if you go to someplace like like uh, like India. Right, India has the caste system, and there's people there. There's just like you're not, you are lower than me because you don't make this amount of money and da da da. So we see that kind of across the world, in in a lot of in a lot of places, especially like here in the United States, right? And and I'm getting to this. So that basic like 
primal, like deeply ingrained belief in as far as like economic status and all this stuff. The people who I think run the world, run this whole thing and keep the illusion going are the people with the most money. Mm. And they're not your politicians. They're not the people we elect in office. They're not any of the stuff. These people don't exist on paper. Mm. And we're going into conspiracy theory land. But if you had that amount of wealth, why would you need to exist on paper? Because you control the system. Okay. Number two, at that amount of wealth where your survival drive is non-existent because you have the money to extend your life with every comfort that you could possibly imagine, what are you left to do with your time? The only thing you're left to do with your time is feed your desires right. and the experiences that you want to have. And some of them may be very hedonistic mm -hmm. because you're not put in this place where you're going to be reprimanded for anything or you're going to be sent to prison for anything because you're above all of that. So when you're above all of that and you have all of this wealth and you have all this power and you don't exist to the common person, you think of everything below you. So why would you want to give anything that you have to anything below you. I just think it's this deep, deep, deep human thing that's in us. Yeah. And if I could just jump in here, you, you're pointing out not existing on paper. Um, it's almost like we're talking about these people as if they're almost a possible, like a spirit. Like, like do we believe in, in the existence of these people? Almost like they're at the, at the position of a demigod. I well, like not. I don't see him as that. I see him as just a human being. But maybe they see themselves as a demigod. Yeah, like we're gonna we're gonna open up a a box with that statement. Yeah, but the 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 way that I see it is that when you go back through history, we have there's rulers mm -hmm. and empires, right? Were the, at, at some point, so, like the, those, those, those things became they just went quiet. There was no one. There was no such thing as a ruler or a queen or anything. But like they still had bloodlines, yeah. and those bloodlines still acquired that wealth. And then things started happening, like democracies and everything. And it's like to me, it's it's like okay that. And, and even even in ancient times, like all there that was that still existed, but all of the like I still think the the things that were pulling the strings was the 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 people that were trying to get into they were trying to position themselves in the most powerful untouchable place. And fuck, we did you watch Game of Thrones? Yeah, we we watch those stories for entertainment yeah and we're I mean, just like oh that's just a story yeah right I mean, it's it's actually happening right outside that, your window 
that's what happens. Yeah. And I I don't I don't want to go into conspiracy theory land. I right. don't. Right. But there's a lot of things out there that just are unsolved and don't have answers to that really make you go, huh? Hmm. Well, that's strange, right? And again, it, it brings me back to this thing of like, well, if you had unlimited wealth and resources, you could just vanish. Right. And most people, if you if you if you have a conversation with the average everyday person and you asked, what would you really be like if you if 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 money wasn't an object, like what would you do? I bet most of them would land on the concept of I wish I just had fuck off money to go just like go here and do this and just kind of like live up by my own island and live yeah. on there and just surf all day. Yeah, right. I do. So if that's if that's the human desire, if that's the the in the in inborn the 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 deep human desire that we all possess right now because of the survival drive mechanism, well then what about the person that actually got that reality? Yeah. And they're doing it. How do they behave? Yeah. Well they they don't have to worry about surviving anymore. They, they all, the only thing that they're doing is well, what else can I do now? What other experience can I have? You know? And I, I just think that again, we, we, we have a certain view or we have a certain perspective of, of what wealth is and people that have made it. And I just think that they're just, they're just like characters on a show. Like, that's all like like that's the circus like when people watch like the grammys and everything like that it's just like this is just pure entertainment for you to unplug from your responsibilities and live vicariously through your favorite celebrities or actors or whatever and get a little taste of what it is to feel that and experience that right now but really all that is is just a distraction of what's actually really happening, which is we live on a planet of terrible inequality and terrible things happen and beautiful things happen too. Mm -hmm. But there's no reason why terrible things have to happen if everybody had the knowledge. Because if everybody had the knowledge, then those terrible things wouldn't happen anymore. But again, we we <laughs> I open this I open this box of well, what about this period of time in history? What about this period of time in history? And then what about prehistory? And what is our history? What's actually what's the story we're actually told? And like so, it's just yeah. Again, it could, I it really goes down the rabbit hole of well, how did I land on all the things that I believe? Yeah. Well, it's from what I've been told. It's from what I've been educated on in school. Well, what if some of that education wasn't the actual truth? You know, so it's like... But we did... Uh, it, again, we're going to go right back to this one. The way you can fix this conundrum, where the, what, where the tail is to the nose, is something simple that we could all understand is uh, like the golden rule 
the golden rule. That's it. I mean, if, you know, if, if this conversation is the kind of conversation that makes you um, conf- more confused, that's fine because it, it's not going to get any easier. No. But the nugget is the golden rule. Yeah. And you stem it out from there because you're looking for something simple to try to explain all this complex shit. That's something simple. That's a good starting point. Well, like, so I'll reel it into like my experience, my little window peering into all of this stuff. Right. So the fact that I'm constantly working and walking on this path and trying to refine and refine and refine and refine myself is number one, to be an example of possibility and potential. Um, But the other is to Go to adxclub.com to purchase a steel mace or a steel club that's adjustable, made right here in the United States. Use all of my all of my ability to leave something behind that's beautiful. A life that was beautiful. That uh inspires for everyone to reach what their potential is and throw away the pointless desires. Give me an example of something that you would leave behind. And um well this is a hard one to answer, but um and it it's like it's it's a, it's like a two part answer. Okay, so what I don't desire is like um, the the typical thing that like the average person would desire. That's like kind of like stuck in not like that, that's that's in like the machine. We'll say someone that. Well, I, well, I'll, I'll, okay. I'll do even better. I'll ring it into this because last year I was around a ton of younger kids while I, while I bartended and I would ask them questions of like, you know, like, what are you trying to be? You know? And I can't tell you how, how many of them were like, Oh, I just want to be like a reality TV star <laughs> Yeah. or, yeah. uh, or an influencer. Yeah. And it's, it's like, so Though that, that whole desire of I'm not enough and I need to be more and like, I want to be seen and all of this stuff. I don't desire that. No, I don't desire that at all. Um, now I, I, I know a lot of people, I have a lot of good relationships and I, and I, and I nurture those relationships because I love people because I love myself because I love them and we are the same. Right. But to be very honest, for the most part, I live a kind of a private life mm-hmm. outside of all of the people that I know. Um, and again, if I if I had like my druthers, I would live a pretty monastic life where I wouldn't have a lot of interaction because 
I would want to be spending that time refining my consciousness. And that, that is a, it is not an easy thing to do. Mm. It's a very hard thing to do. It takes a lot of time. Uh, it takes a lot of sacrifice. Um, and well, I'll just leave it at that because, uh, very much like, um, very much like fitness. We both know that fitness takes a lot of time and energy. Well, fitness for the soul takes more time and energy. Mm. And um, that time and energy uh, is sometimes not something that you see right away. It's something that you yeah. see after the fact. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, uh, if I could jump in, I, I had that revelation. I was, I went, I was going to church for a while. And um, in the beginning, I, I was just like, yeah, I'm just going through the motions. And then one day I felt something, I felt more part of the community there and it felt good. And all of a sudden things just started to fall into place. I was like, oh man, this is just like, like working out, you know, like you, you, you go to the gym and the first couple of times you go, you're like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just going through the motions. Right. But then one day you're like, Oh, look, that thing's popping out right there. I got a vein. I got, you know, and right. then all of a sudden you're like, ah, it's all coming together now. Right. So it's the same thing. You're, you're exercising your spiritual muscle. Yeah, you, you definitely are, you know, and, and, and so what, what faith are you practicing? Christianity. Okay. In Christianity, how do you practice? Uh, like, how do you practice being a Christian? Uh, prayer, going to church. And um, for me, trying to uh, live uh, accordingly by being aware of my um my ability to to fall into you know like sin or uh to miss the mark as what sin means in other words um while i'm interacting with people and i catch myself like oh i'm i'm doing that thing that i sh really shouldn't be doing you know i'm, uh, I'm gonna stop mm -hmm. and just try to correct it so it through action through action is really, I think for me, the best thing and, and just, uh, reading the Bible. Okay. How often do you pray? I'm, I'm praying at least once a day now. How long do you pray? Uh, maybe 15 seconds. Okay. Yeah. How often do you attend ceremonies? Um, once a week, unless I'm going snowboarding or I got to go to work. So sometimes I'm doing well and sometimes I'm not. Okay. So what I would say is like you're like the average yeah. practicing Christian. Absolutely. Every average. day yeah. you, you check in. Yeah. At least even for 15 seconds, mm -hmm. whatever. And then once a week you go and you meet with um you get you 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 get into a what what I like to call like a group energy. Yeah. To kind of yeah. like Wait. to amplify. Which is difficult for me because kind of like you, I I almost feel like it's um, not really to my personality, like um, just gathering with people that I'm not going to see again until next week, mm -hmm. which I understand there's more to it. You're supposed to do fellowship and get to know these people over time and you will. But uh, for me, I have to really force myself into that situation and feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm like, okay, I feel a little uncomfortable here, but right. uh, I'm just going to be aware. Right. What is the thing that brought you to Christianity? Why did you choose Christianity to practice some sort of something higher than yourself? Um, because of, because of the Bible, because, um, the, the way, if you read it, it's difficult to read. And, uh, I alluded to some of this earlier, uh, in respects to how we communicate what truth is and everything and how we're limited. And it seems that the Bible has been able to communicate the same message over the course of, well, the New Testament is 2,000 years old, but the Old Testament is now we're going back before, you know, 5,000 years, whatever. The metaphors, the parables, everything can have lasted all this time. And people could still, with help from their preacher, of course, because again, it's difficult to read you can hone in on truths that seem to be lasting the test of time. And I will steal something from Jordan Peterson here, which he said, I thought this was great. It appears that all of the great works, books and everything that are out there to help you, help you figure out life, get better at life, do this better, think better. They all, all their concepts and all the principles seem to draw back to uh, an origin in the Bible. For example, Jocko Willing's book, Extreme Ownership, which is a fantastic book. And he's totally, you know, he did a great job with it. But Extreme Ownership is pretty much what the message is behind the Bible. Own your your stuff. Don't don't make it somebody else's problem. Don't, this is your problem or this is your venture. This is your game, that kind of thing. And once you, and when he, when Jordan Peterson pointed out all the great works, Shakespeare, everything else, uh, all kind of go back to the Bible, even, um, uh, uh, Tolkien, Tolkien, they, and all the religious, uh, podcasts and stuff, they talk about Tolkien all the time because he created this, this fictional story. But if you strip it down and pull it away, it's the archetypes of the heroes. There's a there's a Jesus, there's a devil, there's all that stuff. And once you start looking at things like that, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. So the Bible has really withstood the test of time and has uh this ability to generate offspring, offshoots of of the same stuff over and over again that seem to keep landing in people's laps and they're like cool with it. So that in that inner depth of each person uh which you know like um even like superman you know um like people respond to that for some reason these are really popular things and it goes beneath the conscious level and a lot of people don't even know and then once you start exploring it you're like okay that's penetrating the the you know, I'm on the hero's journey right now. So that's why I like these stories. And then if you relate it back to the Bible, it all kind of connects. I don't know if that totally makes sense. It's hard to explain from where I sit because I'm a student of this. Yeah. No, I, I, I can completely understand. Me, I approach all of that um, from more of a research point of view. Yeah. Meaning... Um, 
there's different versions of the Bible. Yep. Right. And then there was councils that met and agreed that this, these were the stories that were going to be in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Right. And these were the stories that were not going to be in the Bible. So then what we have is we have a filtered story of Catholicism, Christianity, right? But then what about the stories that were left out? Mm -hmm. Why were those stories left out? Yeah. Why were they not as important as everything else that was included? Why wasn't it all included? So it, it, again, it, it makes me just ask questions right. and dig and dig and dig and dig because the Bible is such a popular book around the world because Catholicism and Christianity are two of the biggest you know religions in the world short of Islam. Yeah. Right. But there's a whole lot of history before Christianity and Catholicism. Yeah. How did those people worship God before all of that stuff? Mm -hmm. And those are the things that I just keep going further, further back and back and back and back. And yeah, back. which you can get in trouble doing that yeah. in some religious circles in Christianity. It's called heresy. Yes. You're you're questioning things. Right. Just leave that alone. Don't right. don't so, go there. Me. I'm going to be the the person that says, well, why can't I, why shouldn't I question it? Yeah. Why do I have to leave this alone? Right. What's there that I have to leave alone? And that's where you start to turn up the carpet and start to see that there's some mold under the carpet. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm not telling anybody what to believe. A belief is going to take you someplace and that place can be beautiful. Yeah, you can have beautiful experiences in that belief. Well, wh what do you consider yourself? I'm the alchemist. Okay, so are you? The alchemist has no beliefs. Okay, the alchemist, but you're not an atheist. Oh no, yeah. Oh no, I can't. You couldn't possibly. <laughs> Stupid question. There, there is no alchemist that is an atheist, right? Um, but just... are you an agnostic? Okay, so let's 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 take apart the word agnostic. The only reason why I ask is because Isaac Newton was uh, an alchemist. I'm fully aware of that, and I believe he was also an agnostic. Well, you and to, I wonder if they go together. You have to take apart the word agnostic. Yeah, take the take the a off the word. You have gnostic, right? Okay, gnostic means knowledge, right? Put an A in front of it, and it means I think there's something. I don't know what it is, yeah, but right. I believe that there's something. Right, they right. It's it's yeah. There's something out there. I can't tell you what it is. Right, though. right. The path of an alchemist is gnosis. Gnosis. Yeah. To do everything in his or her power to gain the knowledge without harming anybody else. Meaning. You don't fall into a belief. What you are doing with your experience is trying to have a direct experience of God. 
right. of the all, of everything. Not what religion speaks of. Religions speak of stories, parables, right. metaphors. Right. There is direct experience, though. And direct experience, when you have direct experience, like I said, when you have knowledge, it doesn't require you to believe anymore. And you remember how I said belief and knowledge are two different things? Yes. Well, in, in, the, in the statement of Nikola Tesla, if you really want to know the secrets of the universe know the secret or he says like know the secrets of vi everything is vibration or mm. everything like that what he's really saying is that it's not woo woo it's mechanical yeah we can explain it yeah what religion does is it makes gives people a story that's that's Yes. That gives you emotion. Yes. Right. Like I indicated that when I was right. talking about that, the, the hero types and all that, fills, that those are all stories. Right. Yeah. Fills you with the spirit. Yes. The feeling of the spirit. Right. Right. We, when you, it's so funny when you, when you see like the videos of um, like fundamentalist cat, uh, Christian churches and they're all like singing and all, uh, you know, go yeah. crazy and people like edit like metal songs <laughs> over that. Those are some <laughs> of my favorites. Yeah. Right. Cause they're filled with the spirit. Right. <laughs> And that's a beautiful thing, yeah. right? It really is. It's, I, I, I feel that that's a very important part of uh, having the human experience, um, being filled with that spirit. But what, what, what the caveat to that is, is that we think that that is above us. Mm. We think that we are lower than that. Yeah. That is above us. That mm -hmm. is not what we are. That is what... That is what governs us. That is that is we are lower than that, and we are yeah. we are that is the thing to fear and everything like that. Again, that just falls into certain beliefs mm -hmm. that you've been told and, and and through story because it's exciting. Well, when you look at things in a mechanical expect or a mechanical perspective. They're not as exciting. Me, when I look at an engine, I get super excited. Or when I look at the way guitar pickups work, I get super excited because I love mechanical things. I love the way that things work. Uh -huh. I think that is majestic. I think that is divine, the wow. way that things work. Yeah, yeah. So if I'm to think about the universe in terms of frequency and vibration, well then belief is a certain frequency and vibration and knowledge is another frequency and vibration does that make sense yeah yeah so you can only perceive what you vibrate at right okay if you are vibrating at a certain rate to perceive a certain thing that is what you are going to perceive if you are able to change your vibration, well, then you would change what you perceive, right? And when I say change your vibration, it sounds like this real like woo-woo, new agey thing. I, I know. I can't stand it. 
I think I've, I think I've already said like I when people start talking like woo woo, we see a ton of it on social media. Yeah. I immediately tune out because a lot of it's just regurgitated. Yeah, somebody's just like, oh, I read this post and I'm going to do that, and it's all this like regurgitated stuff. But um, like those, the act of like doing the work to change your vibration, to change what you believe to 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 discard beliefs takes work takes time takes consistency very much like fitness for your body it's just fitness for the mechanics of your other body right so so do you know who do you do you know who rudolf steiner is no have you heard the name rudolf steiner it seems to sound familiar for some reason do you know who Paul Check is? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Paul Check, big guy in, in fitness. Yeah. Right. Big guy in holistic fitness. Yeah. As far as holistic fitness is concerned, he's the guy. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. Can't really think about anybody else that is above Paul Check when it comes to like true holistic fitness, natural fitness. There, there is a guy, Gary Null. He's older than him. I don't know if you ever heard of him. I don't know Gary Null. But he's he, I would throw him in the ring with Paul Chack. Right. But there's there's but, what I'm saying is there's yeah. people in that name. Yeah. Right. Paul Chack gets most of his education and most of his his things from Rudolf Steiner. Okay. And again, this 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 is me being a researcher. Well, where did Rudolf Steiner get his education from? Right. Yeah, and who gave that person their education? Where did they get it from? And what what it does is it takes you through time mm -hmm. into different currents, mm -hmm. and and a, and a current being um, someone's knowledge that was spoken to them, and um, after that knowledge was gained, they could never go back to believing a certain something, right? So if we just take like Paul Check and you just listen to Paul Check, like kind of go off about um, like the concept of God and the concept of soul and all of these things, he's not real woo-woo mm. about what he talks about when he talks about the deeper like metaphysical truths through his filter and, and and perspective they're a little bit more mechanical when you really listen to how he talks about things it's a very mechanical process like if you do a and you put it with b you will get c mm. but you got to do it you got to practice it and it takes fucking work mm. right it's not this like oh just believe that you are and da 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 da, da. right so um I'm I'm just kind of going back to like <laughs> I'm getting pulled back into like the woo woo thing of like we see so we see so many people on Instagram or Facebook being talking heads telling you to do this or do this and da 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 or come to my seminar blah blah, blah or like come to my retreat and da, da da all good and fine I get it they're they're trying to make a living at what they're doing and all this stuff but um when you break it down into just like very mechanical terms into if I do this, this result will have, if I do this, this result will happen. Right. It's, it's the same exact thing with 
um, being on that path of seeking knowledge. Yeah. There's certain things that are done on that path that are very mechanical that give you a result, right? And some of these things are things that we've seen in uh, our, you know, figures in history that have been on that path, but may not have said they were on that path, never spoke of it ever mm -hmm. and created a different path. Right. Or, um, just kind of maybe, uh, fell victim to their hedonistic side or something like that, or just, you know, got something, got some things on the path and acquired some abilities, some charisma, and maybe just took it in a, a completely different direction, right? But again, it's not that those, it's not that those people really like, why not? You know what? I don't know those people. I can't say what they believed or what they didn't believe. I can only say that the things that I read and research and the parallels that I make and the, the dots that I connect, it just seems like certain people knew about certain knowledge, did certain things, and were able to acquire certain things mm -hmm. with that knowledge that were able to manipulate and shape human history to the point where some of those things were misinterpreted as other things. And since those things were misinterpreted as other things, well, we don't have the real story. And I see some of that when I go back into um, biblical readings and things of that nature, because there's certain there are certain things that are left out of the Bible. Yeah. And when you read the things that were left out of the Bible. Are we talking Dead, Dead Sea Scrolls here or sure we can get into okay. the Dead Sea Scrolls? Well, I don't we don't need to get into it. But but that's but is that you said other reading. Yeah, it's yeah. one of the examples. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Right. Why were why were the Dead Sea Scrolls supposedly the living testament of Jesus Christ right. left out of yeah. the Bible. Yeah. If Jesus Christ is the subject of the New Testament, then why were his direct statements left out of what was to be the most important book to spread his story? In a weak attempt to answer that, it could be either A, that there was something that people of the time didn't like, that messed with the way they wanted the story to go, maybe even messed with their ability to have power. Or uh, the church, for lack of a better description, felt that the story wasn't true for some reason. Right. It's a heresy. Yes. And and I can't give you any better explanation. And But I would think that there's definitely a good story behind it why Jesus. it was left out 
And it could be a game changer for all we know to, to know what that is, but. Well, it, you know, again, I'm always looking for the truth and not the truth in my subjective point of view, Mm -hmm. the objective truth, yeah, the cold or warm truth, but it is the truth. Um, When things are left out of the mix like that, in my experience, it means that, well, nobody needs to know that. Yeah, right. Right. Why doesn't anybody need to know that? Right, yeah. Well, if they knew this, then they might not buy it. Yeah, right. So... um, and again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not striking anyone's belief system. No, in fact, I'm not. If I could just say this, I like, you know, we know how people are with stuff. They get all defensive and everything. Um, I know you're not striking anything. And what goes through my mind is a lot of the stuff I'm already aware of, and and there's a decision. I guess you could say that at least I um, can only speak for myself right now. And, but I hope this could help people diffuse um, getting into arguments with people or getting it standoffish type. No, it, this is, this is the reality and you're wrong. All that crap. Cause right. that goes nowhere fast. And you have to put yourself, you got to humble yourself. I was going to say, you got to put yourself above it. No. You got to put yourself below it. You got to humble yourself and use every opportunity you can to speak with people, to learn stuff. And I definitely believe all these questions are legitimate. The thing that I know from my point of view, and I pointed this out earlier, um, was that our conversation, our ability to explain things is limited by our language. You, you're, you're a mechanic. You see things mechanically and maybe I don't see things that way. And maybe when I look at the Bible and I know about the Dead Sea Scrolls and I know the way how people who are in power, Constantine might be somebody that people want to look at the time of Constantine and what happened with the Bible and the church and all that. There's questions to be asked. Mm -hmm. Um, you know why did they uh, kill all the apostles? Why did they, why did Peter get crucified upside down? You know, like there's some serious shit going on there. Yeah. So when I look at all that, I say, here's the Bible for what it's worth. I know that they could break make the Bible this a hundred times bigger with information, but they chose this, and there's a reason why they chose it. It's it's in this box and that's all we got but i can operate from that i can operate from that but for people to just sit there and say um no this is it maybe even what i'm saying is heresy maybe even if my pastor heard me saying this he'd be like oh my god you're a knucklehead right but that's all part of the human experience. It is. It is. And, and oh, and one last thing. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, you have your language, and you, and you speak like from a mechanics point of view. Maybe I don't. Maybe other people don't. But what did we have 
what did we boil it all down to using your language and my language? The golden rule. The golden rule. It doesn't matter. Like you, you're still. Uh, we, so we, we boil it down to a golden rule, to the golden rule, but I gave you a process. Yes. I yes. gave you steps. Yes. On how to get to the golden rule. Do you remember the steps? Uh, let's review them. Okay. Let's I'll review. Let, let, let's, I'll tell you what. We'll review this, and then I want to get. I want to hear about your music before okay. we run out of time, because I know you got to go have um, got to meet somebody today. So I want to hear about what your project is, what your music, and um, um, yeah, that's it. Go ahead, review okay. the review the stuff. So we, you know, we started off talking about anxiety, okay, and I said that anxiety was being caught in what if the future, and depression was being caught in the past. I regret. Yada, yada, yada. But uh, when you bring yourself to the present, uh, you're not stuck in anxiety or depression. You are in your filter of your belief systems and knowledge of yourself, right? So when you start to peel away your belief systems and knowledge of yourself, you get to observing, observing it all, seeing it all laid out on the table, and then being aware that you are observing it all. You can't go further back than awareness. Awareness is the start. When you can back up to that, to being in a state of complete, total awareness, you can understand the way, you can understand what thought is. Mm. That's why people meditate. You meditate to get to the the practice of understanding what awareness is most people i i didn't know how to meditate for the longest time i tried all these different types of meditation yeah. i sucked at it i was like i can't do this i think prayer is also for that because it it, you know you, that's why you're supposed to pray pray a lot more than 15 seconds <laughs> right but <laughs> which i'm trying to do but yeah it, it so prayer in itself is a certain frequency and vibration yeah Okay. So, so is mountain biking or steel mace flow or Absolutely. anything else. Right? It is a certain frequency and vibration when you are praying. If I were to put uh, things on your head that measure your, 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 your alpha waves and beta waves, stuff, yeah. you would see a definite, and people have done it with, with meditation when they put in the, the thing on the, their people's heads. And when they meditate, you see their brain wave change, yada, yada, yada. Prayer and meditation are two, like one and the same thing, essentially. In, in regards to the mechanical, mechanical thing. Yes. And that's why I like right. mechanical things. It's like, oh, see, yeah. you can see the change happen. Right. I can explain to you. Now I have knowledge of how it works. Yes. It's not that just you told me I didn't see it. Now I have to believe it. Yeah. I can see how it happens right. step by step. Yeah. That's knowledge. Okay. Okay. Makes sense? Yes. Yes. That's what I see day in and day out. All right. Knowledge, not belief. So when you can back up, to just being aware, you're being aware of your thoughts that are happening. Very much like sitting in front of a TV and the TV is on and it's on a channel, right? You are the person that is watching the TV. You are not the TV channel. You're not the TV and you're certainly not the TV channel. You can change the channel on the TV and change it to a different station, right? Those are your thoughts. You can just change the channel. You sitting on the couch is the observer of mm. your thoughts. You getting up from that room and walking into another room while the TV is playing 
is that you are aware that you are the observer of the TV. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love to explain it like that because anyone can understand yeah. that. Yeah. That's three simple things. That's how you can understand. Here's my belief systems and my knowledge. It's a, it's a TV. What channel it's on is your is your your belief systems about yourself, the stories that you tell yourself, the dramas and the, the soap operas you tell yourself. That's the channel. The observer is you physically sitting on the chair watching the TV. And then when you can get up as the observer and walk away from the TV, you are aware that you are the observer. You are not the TV. You are not the channel on the TV. You are the observer of the TV. And you are aware that you are the observer of the TV. That is the place that you get to when you meditate. Okay.